Hub Heroes listeners, this episode is brought to you by Simple Events, a true game changer that integrates with your HubSpot CRM. Ready to revolutionize your event management process? Well, imagine this. You're tasked with planning an event. It could be an intimate workshop or a large-scale corporate event. The thought alone can be daunting. That's where Simple Events transforms your event planning into a smooth, stress-free process. No matter the size of your business or the type of event, in-person or virtual, Simple Events is your ideal partner. Simple Events is a comprehensive solution that simplifies every aspect of event management, from creating detailed attendee lists to setting up efficient workflows. Say goodbye to the hassle of juggling multiple platforms. With Simple Events, everything you need is in one convenient place. That's right. Simple Events is about empowering your events and enhancing every detail using the robust capabilities of the CRM you love. HubSpot. Unlike other tools, you can control the full event experience in your HubSpot portal. Are you ready to revolutionize how you manage events? Then visit SidekickStrategies.com forward slash simple. That's SidekickStrategies.com forward slash simple. As a bonus, make sure to use the special Hub Heroes promo code HELPFUL, all capitals, HELPFUL, for an exclusive discount on the Simple Events Pro Plan and step into the world of Simple Events, turning your next event from successful to spectacular. Do you live in a world filled with corporate data? Are you plagued by siloed departments? Are your lackluster growth strategies demolishing your chances for success? Are you held captive by the evil menace, Lord Lack? Lack of time, lack of strategy, and lack of the most important and powerful tool in your superhero tool belt, knowledge. Never fear, Hub Heroes. Get ready to don your cape and mask move into action, and become the hub hero your organization needs. Tune in each week to join the League of Extraordinary Inbound Heroes as we help you educate, empower, and execute. Hub Heroes, it's time to unite and activate your powers. Before we begin... Once again, we can start without that jargon. Devin is not with us today, so we're sad, of course, but I'm actually glad that we can dive into this. For those of you that don't watch the podcast, yeah, Max, I wouldn't drink that. Yeah, <laughs> My life depended on it. Max Should I literally open it? put like a Should can I? of something that looks like it was about ready to explode, and I'm like, nah, brah. Should I open it for the viewers watching? No. No, I don't think you should. That's going to be a really big mess. No, yeah, forget that. Forget that. Because then you got to explain it to the wife of like, it was for TV, babe. It was for yeah. TV. Nah, no, no. So, Ugh. hey, here's the deal. Welcome back to another Out of This World episode of The Hub Heroes. I am super excited. Uh, this week's episode is a little bit different. Maybe as you've guessed, if you're listening to this You've only heard two voices. Also, I'm doing the intro. So instead of the whole Hub Heroes crew, it's just me, your boy, George B. Thomas, and of course, Max Cohen. Hi. Mr. Max Cohen. 
Uh, we're rocking the mics today. And I got to be honest with you, Max, I have been excited for this episode right here ever since the first time we were brainstorming months and months and months ago. And you said the word inbound physics and my brain went, huh? And mm -hmm. so now that we're here and we can actually do it, this is a perfect opportunity, right? This is a perfect yeah. opportunity to like take a deep dive into what is truly spectacular, maybe even shifts your mindset a little bit. It, it might change a how you think about and implement inbound. What I really love is we're going to do our darndest to talk about this so that those of you who are listening can, can stay up with the story and what we're talking about. But those of you that choose to go over to community.hubheroes.com and watch it, well, Max is going to be able to share a screen. You're going to be able to see some visuals, and it might even make a little bit more sense when you're in there and can do that. So we're going to talk about inbound physics. What is it? Why does it matter? Why is it so radical? And how can this immediately shift how we execute inbound? I cannot, I cannot for the life of me, Max, fathom radically shifting or executing inbound in a different way than I have. But again, I'm excited. I'm excited and I'm going to try to be the listener and ask the questions that the listeners might have as we go through this. But how should we get started? What? Where's your mind at when as a, like a an entry point for this conversation of inbound physics? First of all, are you excited about it? Oh, I'm stoked. I love talking about inbound physics just because it's kind of me sort of sharing the way that I kind of developed a simple understanding of what the flywheel actually meant. I think the other thing that's like interesting is, you know, ever since the inbound methodology, which by the way, the original inbound methodology is just, is just the flywheel simplified. And like, it was always the same thing. But, you know, ever since there was the inbound methodology, or the flywheel. I think you've seen a lot of folks kind of like put their own spin and iteration on it. And when you really kind of look at it and, and understand what's happening at a fundamental level in any of those strategies, it's all the same thing, right? Like inbound is inbound is inbound. There's many different ways to do inbound. There's many different ways to do outbound. But like the fundamental motions of what's happening are ultimately the same, even if you spin it in different ways. And I, th I think the reason that I like to kind of talk about the basic physics, if you will, of what's happening when you look at that strategy of inbound represented through that flywheel, it's going to make it easier for people to look at that strategy and have comfort in knowing like, okay, here are these big three giant phases of this thing. What do they literally in the most simplest terms mean? What I don't want people to do is look at something like the flywheel and start going through a crazy analysis paralysis of like, what sort of content do I need to write? What sort of keywords do oh, I have to go after? God. What sort of funnels do I need to set up? What sort of KPIs and metrics do I need to look at? Ah! Yeah. Like that is just a, a really easy way to just not do anything and to say, oh, this is too hard and just go back to traditional outbound methods and not actually think about why the flywheel works and respecting why it works and then saying, okay, what can I do to drive this general motion in my own way, with my own audience, with my knowledge, what, what knowledge gaps do I need to go, you know, fill in order to do something like this, right? And as long as I can see the bigger picture, because inbound is always about seeing the bigger picture versus like hyper-focusing on a specific piece of it. And I think folks who are really able to take HubSpot and deploy inbound have a healthy set. 
and, and see success with it, have a healthy sense of what that big picture looks like. Because until you know what the big picture looks like, you can't really go in there and fill in the details. So I love talking about it because it unlocks a lot of stuff for people as it unlocked it for me. And when I started visualizing it this way, all of a sudden I became more confident in speaking about it, right? And, and I was able to say, hey, if something's going wrong, here's probably why, right? And, and you know, you can follow things back, but I'll stop yeah. right there. One of the things that I love and the reason I, I'm saying that I'm so excited about this is for, for me and I think for other HubSpot users, one of the best things you can do is you can realize for your brain you can insert like new modules, new books. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the most important things to understand about HubSpot and inbound is the connective tissues, being able to connect the dots. And yeah. so understanding that I'm I'm getting ready to plug in a module that I've never taught, never thought about, don't understand what has been in your brain that you've been formulating for years around this. I'm able to plug that module in, that the listeners are able to plug that module in. And again, those, you know, those new wires are going to be connected, that new way of thinking. The, maybe for some of you, it might be like an aha moment. And I love I love when we're working with clients and we can provide those aha moments. I love when we're on a podcast and I have those aha moments or we know that we have listeners that have those aha moments. So here, Max, let's start at the beginning, though. Like fundamentally, you know, mm -hmm. somebody could say, oh, HubSpot, they made up the inbound methodology. You know, it's just a thing. It's kind of this tactic and like the it's the religion to like and then you, you got to the, the, the tool. I, I would say you're probably in the wrong room if you are saying those things. But yeah, but I really want to dive into why does it matter how we think about inbound? I mean, can we just read all the books, take all the HubSpot certs, be on our way, execute the inbound strategies to our heart's content and hey, let's call it a day. Why is it even important that we're talking about this idea of thinking about it differently? Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't, it's, it's tough for like, sure. Like HubSpot called it inbound and really took on the, the really kind of evangelized the idea of inbound. And yeah, it has kind of turned into like this weird religion that we all follow, <laughs> like, so, <laughs> you know, in our professional lives. But like, I, the, the thing that I, I don't necessarily think they invented anything here. I think what they did is they found a very clear way to communicate the most basic building blocks of what you need to do in order to like grow a business. These, and this is why I call it like physics. This is always all, all since, since any business has been created, this, these three things attract, engage, delight have always like had to kind of happen in order for a business to succeed. And I think what they're doing when they show it as the flywheel is they're, they're just giving you an easy way to kind of interpret these like big three motions. So if I could like kind of go through them, right? Yeah. yeah uh, and, and, and I'll I share my screen good. here. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share here. Can I, sh I can in, share? In other right? words, like, are you showing the three big sections or are we done teasing and we're actually going to like yeah, talk about get, what inbound physics is? Let's get in there. Oh, this is yeah, a presentation button. I can just share my screen. Wait, I'm not going to upload a slide. I'll just do screen. All right. So for the folks watching at home, and by the way, if there's any reason that you should go on to Hub Heroes website to see <laughs> <It's this>. the <laughs> video episodes, this is the reason why. But 
for the folks that are listening, just go ahead and just Google the flywheel and go take a look at it. But yeah, I mean, if we were to take a peek at this, right? Attract, engage, delight. What is this like? Not like, what does each one of these things fundamentally mean? Not the, not all the different micro tactics and all the other stuff you're doing to like do the stuff really well. But like, what, what does it mean? And what are the physics involved with it? Right? So attract that quite literally means getting people just, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say aware. I'm not going to say trusting. I'm not going to say just getting people to become aware of the presence of your business in the first place, finding you. You have to get them to you somehow. And, you know, oftentimes you're doing this with some kind of content. But the fact of the matter is, if they don't know that you exist, they can't engage with you. That's just a that's just a fact of life. If they don't know you're there, they can't engage with you. Never mind how they found you. Never mind how much they like you. Never mind any of these other things. If they don't know you're there, they're never going to engage with you in the first place, right? When we think about engage, this is just sort of like how you interact with them when they finally find you. And usually it's because they're buying something from you or they're hopefully going to buy something for you, but they're aware of your presence and you're communicating and interacting with them somehow. This is a fundamental truth for how a business has to operate because if no one buys anything from you, it's kind of hard to be a business, right? Even if you're not a business that's like a for-profit business, even if you're a nonprofit, maybe people are donating to you or donating their time. There's a process in which they interact with you to create whatever that sort of business or business-like transaction is. And there's a way you interact with them. There's efficient ways. There's inefficient ways, but you have to engage with them somehow to have some kind of interaction with your organization, right? And usually that's under the context of them buying something. And then delight, this is, you know, the essence of saying like, okay, they gave you money. Did they get what they paid for? Did you provide good service to them? Did you not do them dirty enough <laughs> where they went and told someone else about you? and helped more people become attracted to you. So it's like a lot of people like look at this stuff and then they immediately start thinking about how do I use software to do all this? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. You just need to realize it's like, these are the three fundamental things that need to happen. You'll see other, you know, I've seen a lot of HubSpot partners do it. I've seen a lot of like, you know, other, other folks that talk about this stuff online kind of make their own versions of the flywheel where they just take this and they add a bunch of phases to it. And they go, this is the real flywheel. And then you look at all those different phases. You can go, that's actually part of a track. That's also attracting. That's engaging. That's engaging. That's engaging. And that's like two different forms of delight. Like it's all this, a lot of it's the same thing. So the reason I love the flywheel so much is that this is the most simplest form, because if you remove any of these things, it becomes really difficult to grow. So for example, if you remove the delight piece, which could mean your product is trash, so people don't like it. It could mean your customer service is terrible or it doesn't even exist and no one gets help. All of a sudden you don't have anybody else going out there and being advocates for you. So your ability to attract people becomes that much harder, that much more expensive, that much more difficult. Let's say you get rid of the attract phase. You're not doing anything to make people aware of your business. You're not doing anything to create content that people are actually searching for. And that's another big piece of it, right? 
you break that piece off and all you do is just like have a salesperson ready to sell someone to sell something to someone, but those people never come to them. Yeah. Your business is fundamentally broken. Let's say you get rid of the engage piece. You just tell people that, oh, we have this great business and nothing's there. Don't There's pick no, up the phone. <laughs> no one picks up the phone. No one responds to emails. No one has any way of communicating with people. No panic plan. Then it's like, okay, you get a fake business. So the reason I, I've always loved this is because like these are the fundamental building blocks. I like to think of this, and I was talking to Liz about this the other day, the inbound methodology is almost like the water cycle. You have water on the ground. It evaporates up into the sky. It forms, I don't know, crystals or crystals or some shit, and it like, <laughs> it, it condenses or whatever. It falls down. It goes, the runoff goes back into the water uh, and it does the same thing over and over again. You can, you can say, oh, there's all these different micro processes. And like, actually when the water rises and it gets into a cloud, it does this, uh, I don't know, reverse osmosis. And then there's these three stages of the crystal forming. And then once it gets heavy enough, it falls. And, and then when it hits the ground, it does a, a bunch of different filtration and like do all this other stuff, stuff before it actually gets to the, you can make it more complicated, yeah. but those three big things are still the fundamental things are happening. You take away any of those one pieces, all of a sudden it doesn't work. And so I've used this, this inbound methodology kind of like in the same way. I don't know, George, if you have any thoughts, but that's kind of the basics of why I like to look at it this way. And then we'll, I'll show you the complicated version. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep diving in here in a minute, but it's, it's funny, Max, because I, when you're list, when I'm listening to you, there's a couple of things that have been going around in my brain. One, why is there a need to complicate it? There isn't. Simplifying the complex is always going to be a little bit easier road to travel down than something that you've just manufactured to be like a stopping block or hurdle or potholes or things like that. Now, mm -hmm. here's also where I'll go is like, if you polled a thousand uh, marketers and asked them, where does the flywheel start? I bet many of them would say attract because mm -hmm. the old school methodology was like attract, convert, close, delight. There, here's the thing about that rain cycle. Nobody knows really where it starts or ends that you were mentioning. Yep. And so when I think about attract, delight, engage, there is no starting or stopping point, right? It is literally like a wedding ring that you wear around your finger. There's no beginning or end, which is kind of the point because you could be, by the way, attracting new clients as you're delighting the ones that you already have. Like this is where I think about things like referral programs. Mm -hmm. um, you can be attracting new people that you don't even know. Of course, this is like content marketing, inbound marketing, social media marketing all of the marketings that we know that we have. Um, but you can also be engaging those new people, engaging historical clients. And like, it, it's just this almost like life that I live that happens to be this circle of things that I can break down in my brain. Here's the yep. one piece though. I'm going to go nerdy for a second because when you're starting to talk about the attract and I don't know why this is going on in my brain, but I, I have always loved magnets like, mm -hmm. I just love magnets. And the idea of attract and the idea of magnets or uh, having magnetism, it's magnets are producing a force. There's a force that your, your business needs. 
There's this, there's this motion, magnets work on motion, motion that needs to happen. And what's fun is the right parts of magnets attract to each other. But if you've ever tried to put a magnet together the wrong way, and it just, it forces itself away. And so this is where I go into, if we bring it back to business and we're thinking about attract and magnetism and force, the right fit clients like you mentioned mm -hmm. filtration system through the earth the flywheel can be a filtration system for the types of people that you should be working with all right i'll let you dive back into kind of yeah. uh, what you've now shown on the screen by the way if you're still listening to this and you haven't gone to hub heroes community.hubheroes.com you're missing out but max yeah. go ahead and explain what we're what we're looking at here and I'm so bummed because I, I, I don't know what happened to it, but I used to have a version of this that like layers everything on piece by piece. So it's not like that difficult, but just to kind of like talk to what you said is like, where does it begin? I think that's a really interesting question. I think when you see a lot of businesses or the, the way that I kind of have seen a lot of businesses when, when I was you know, doing a lot of heavy HubSpot consulting, especially when we would talk about the strategy is like, they're generally decent at one part of this or maybe two parts of it or maybe they're like decent at all of them but like it's not spinning fast enough right but like let me tell you this let me, let me ask you this george when when you were like you know onboarding people onto the marketing hub and i'm sure you always asked businesses the question like how have you been getting business like up oh until my God. and what did you what's the one word they all say well if we're talking about buying lists, that's probably the number oh, one answer. Yeah. But but other than that, <laughs> number two, <laughs> yeah, number two. Honestly, I got a lot of like it just seems to happen or they just uh -huh. show up. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and and that's because the number one answer I would always get was word of mouth. Yeah, right. Referrals. Yeah, exactly. referrals. Word of mouth and referrals. Guess what? Can't physically happen unless you're doing some kind of delight and a lot of these like businesses they're good at knowing how to take care of people but they're less skilled at the whole let's make let's do content marketing and like really focus on how we're attracting people and and you know let's let's build these sales funnels and process it like they're not great at that but they're good at like making sure their customers are taken care of or yeah. that they produce a really quality product. Building a really quality product is part of delight. People aren't happy with your product. They're not going to be delighted with it. You know what okay. I mean? They're not going to say, hey, go buy this cool widget that like, you know, if, if it's bad, right? They're not going to recommend it to a friend. A lot of the times it's like people told me, oh, I, it's mostly just been word of mouth and referrals. It's like, all right, cool. Well, you're doing something right because that wouldn't be happening. It couldn't happen if you guys weren't delighting people. If you were, you know, screwing them over, had a bad product, bad customer service, however you want to think about it but you're gonna say yeah. something George. yeah well i want to dive into you because we're talking about delight and i literally want to ask the question if you can delight too much because i had something happen recently max around referrals since you brought it up i have a client who has sent me four referrals that have turned into clients and and every time yeah it's i'm and by the way listeners this is not bragging but Shout every time i talked yeah every time i talk to this human this is what they say Oh, I could be doing more. I wish yeah. I would. I I could send you more. And I'm like, am I delighting you to the point that you feel guilty? Like, I want us to like maybe unpack this idea, or maybe that's just a human element that we're bumping into. But like, the question truly is: when you think about the delight phase, when you think about doing it right, when you think about getting referrals, is there a too much of the apple pie, and now you're sick, or is it just no? You should delight as much as humanly possible. Yeah, 
I mean, I think it, 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 it really depends because there's, there's every time you, every time you hyper-focus into like a specific part of the flywheel, what happens is you end up creating a, an imbalance and Ooh, an the imbalance flywheel, in the force. Yeah. The flywheel can still spin, but it can get wobbly. So oh. like, for example, if your engage phase isn't fortified and your attract phase has got some gas behind it, what would that translate to in the real world? Maybe you're running these like you, you, you pick up a killer marketer. They understand content. They really get the inbound thing in motion. They're doing some real crazy demand gen stuff. They're hyping up the product. They're building a community. They're getting people super stoked. And, you know, maybe one day, like you got a piece of content that hits, be it about your product, about, you know, some sort of goal or challenge that people have or, or whatever. And all of a sudden you create these like, you know, high intent leads, like a, a, a large amount of people that are just like really stoked to talk to sales, but you haven't set up a sales process to catch that ball going really fast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the dams break and all of a sudden, you know leads are falling through the cracks like people aren't getting called back your sales team has no infrastructure to handle it right that flywheel is technically spinning right like you're attracting people like crazy they're getting through engage as fast as they can right but it's it's wobbly right yeah, because like engage can't handle that like throughput now does that happen all the time no it can right um but just in the same way you can build up this amazing sales process that's like super ready to take anything you throw at it and then you do nothing from the attract phase and it's like, cool, you got this wicked hub heroes listeners. This episode is brought to you by simple events, a true game changer that integrates with your HubSpot CRM ready to revolutionize your event management process. Well, imagine this, you're tasked with planning an event. It could be an intimate workshop or a large scale corporate event. The thought alone can be daunting. That's where Simple Events transforms your event planning into a smooth, stress-free process. No matter the size of your business or the type of event, in person or virtual, Simple Events is your ideal partner. Simple Events is a comprehensive solution that simplifies every aspect of event management, from creating detailed attendee lists to setting up efficient workflows. Say goodbye to the hassle of juggling multiple platforms. With Simple Events, everything you need is in one convenient place. That's right. Simple Events is about empowering your events and enhancing every detail using the robust capabilities of the CRM you love. HubSpot. Unlike other tools, you can control the full event experience in your HubSpot portal. Are you ready to revolutionize how you manage events? Then visit SidekickStrategies.com forward slash simple. That's SidekickStrategies.com forward slash simple. As a bonus, make sure to use the special Hub Heroes promo code HELPFUL, all capitals, HELPFUL, for an exclusive discount on the Simple Events Pro Plan and step into the world of Simple Events, turning your next event from successful to spectacular. Heavy end of the engage wheel, all right, and nothing spins because it's all out of whack and there's nothing supporting it. There's no balance around the other parts of the strategy. I right. sure hope I sure hope the listeners are hearing uh, what I'm hearing, and that is you always have to be paying attention to what is your weakest link uh, mm-hmm. in in these three main phases and the things you're doing in business. What is your weakest link? 
And it's funny when you talk about wobbly, Max, I think about tires. And I was literally getting this visual of like you've got your whip ready. Uh, you've gone to like the racetrack. Uh, you get ready to punch the gas and give it a good old burnout. And then pop, your tire pops. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't in no race yeah. because your weakest link was what was supposed to be getting your car moving down the road. You, yeah. you spent so much time working on the engine. Content, by the way. That you weren't paying attention to the sales team and the sales enablement, by the way, that you needed, right? And and they're just spitting out. They're closing everybody because everybody fits our product. Uh, now people aren't delighted, by the way. Yo, you you about to jack some junk up. Yeah. 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 Don't jack your junk up. No. Don't jack the your other, junk up. See, the other thing, I, I made this graph, like, probably in some kind of, like, manic episode during the <laughs> pandemic, I think, when I was, like, super bored at home. And I was like, I wish I could take, like, what my brain sees when I look at the flywheel and, like, post it out there for everybody. So this was, like, a picture I posted on LinkedIn, like, a long time ago. There's, like, other stuff here that I think, you know, I, you may see that I've, like, overlaid the original life cycle stages yeah. and the life cycle stages that HubSpot kind of came with because i was using it as a way to kind of explain like how do you overlay all this stuff on top of each other like you've even got the the buyer's journey like right there in the middle and, and maybe that's another episode but like the back to the physics thing around the flywheel right um the when we start to kind of take this more uh sort of holistic look at like kind of the general motions that need to happen for like a business to kind of like grow in any sort of meaningful way um I, I, I start to kind of like you say like, okay, if you're looking at this as like a marketing sales and service sort of focused growth strategy, right? Um, I like to kind of make it like easy and less amorphous, right? Because you look at this and go, okay, Max, you're telling me a track could mean sort of like anything to get people like aware of my, like they have to find me, I get it. But it's like, what, like, could you give me like a little bit more of a, uh, specific of like what you mean in like a marketing sales and yeah. service context, right? Yeah. So I, I've got you, you, if you're looking at it, you'll see that I have these like phase one and phase two of each part of these flywheels, uh, each part of the flywheel, right? But you're meant to first look at that by looking at these like red dots. And, and for the people who are just listening, if you look at attract, engage, and delight, you'll notice that there's these like chevrons where attract meets engage where engage meets word, delight yeah chevron I, I it's love like a great chevron right just look at where the stages kind of touch each other right the 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 first way to like really think about the physics of like when are you in one phase versus another and like here let me also just say it's a spectrum right like there it, it, it you know and some people depending on like the strategy that you go for right like if you're there's plenty of room in this strategy for folks who don't like to gate any content. And there's plenty of room in the strategy for folks that do like to gate content. Yeah. This is not a gate or not gate content thing. You need to Thank remember, you, like, Jesus. especially there's a lot of people that go inbound is just about gating content and getting uh, <laughs> someone to download an ebook so you can get their email and give it to your sales team. No, no, nope. that is doing inbound wrong wrong there are right ways to do that and wrong ways to do that right um you know and then people go and call it something different they go oh you should do demand generation dude you're still generating demand when you do inbound because all the demand generation you do is with content and community and shit people actually care about right yes. you're doing the same physics my guy it's all the same <laughs> 
right? No matter how you want to kind of break it and switch it off into a new strategy, the basic physics are the same. And I'm not discounting it. What I'm saying is you have a really, really good way of doing parts of this, right? Yeah. And, and you should do that. You should, you should lean on it because people need frameworks for the more intricate parts of this general overall motion, right? And you do what works for you, right? Anyway, so the thing that I like to kind of get people in the mindset of when they're looking at this flywheel thing is like, look at where each one of the phases meet and what does that like generally mean, right? So like if we're looking at it in the mo more like traditional inbound sense, like back when we were talking about like, hey, you know, you got to get people's information so you have a way to communicate with them, right? So, you know, whether this is. I'm putting every ebook behind a friggin' pay uh, behind a, 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 a gated landing page, or I'm not talking to people until they like request to speak to it, like, you know, request a demo. That really doesn't matter, right? But when you're thinking of the attract phase, right? Attract kind of goes into engage when you've built enough trust with someone to actually convince them that, like, it's okay to give me some of your information so I can contact you in some kind of way. Again, whether it's early on in the, whether you want to call it funnel or the buyer's journey, or it's like really late and they're already like a super high intent lead because you did some dope demand generation, whatever it is, right? At some point, the physics there means I need to trust you enough because you either heard about you through somewhere else or, or some content you created is great or like whatever it may be to actually trust you with my information, knowing that like you're going to use it to reach out to me. Right. And then engage once you've actually like gotten that information from them. That's like everything you're doing to actually like use that information, not abuse it. Right. Some people say lead nurturings inside of here. The sales process, I would say, definitely firmly sits within engage. Oh, you yeah. can make arguments that it bleeds into delight. Right. And there's also the fundamental truth that no matter if you're in marketing, sales or service, you should be thinking about ways that you as an individual org, a chunk of the business, a department, or whatever you want to call yourself, right? You want to be thinking about how you're contributing to the ethos of attracting people, delighting them, engaging them. How do we engage people? How do we delight people, right? Um, you know, for example, like you can think if you're a sales team, how do you create a delightful sales process, right? You don't have to put that on the shoulders of your service equivalent, right? But anyway, at some point, like generally, that engage phase is going to kind of shift into delight or like the broader idea of delight when someone becomes a customer in most businesses there is a point where someone exchanges money for whatever it is you got right whether you're a for-profit business and they're buying a service or a product from you or maybe you're a non-profit and they're giving you money and then you got to go out and do something with it that makes them feel delighted that you spent it again whatever it may be right there's a place where someone becomes a customer or an equivalent of a customer, right? That's like a, the, the kind of the, that's where you graduate from engaged to delight. It's more of a, I'm, I, in a lot of cases, it's more of a fade versus a jump cut, right? But it, it happens at some point. There's some point that it happens. And then when you're thinking about delight, that's everything you do to do right by that person, keep them happy, all that kind of stuff. And the reason delight kind of, pushes into a track is because at that point, they are going to sort of become a marketer for you in some capacity, right? They're going to go tell a friend about you, tell a colleague about you, write a positive review. They're going to do something to say, I trust these folks enough and they've delighted me to the point that I'm willing to put 
my uh, reputation on the line, be it in a very minor way or a very major way, to go advocate to them to somebody else besides myself, right? Whether that's saying like, "Hey, I moved to a new job and and like I wanna I wanna I wanna buy you guys again," right? Or I'm advocating for your solution to my boss, or I wrote a you know awesome Facebook post about the great customer service that I got, whatever, right? But that generally doesn't happen until you've done something to delight them. Whether that's just having a great product that you didn't oversell or or false advertise, right? And just having like a great product, or you took care of them, you, you, you provided great customer service, you created a great experience for them, right? Um, or something went wrong and you helped them, right? It could look a million different ways, right? But until something like that happens, they don't really have a reason to go like, tell someone else, hey, this thing is cool. You should buy stuff from these people, right? Yeah. And then, so that's like sort of the, the the overall physics and kind of how these phases sort of like either, you know, jump cut or kind of blend into each other depending on what your thing looks like. And the other thing I want you to kind of visualize in your head, right? When you see the flywheel, you see three even sort of like circularly linear maybe you're 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 looking at it almost as like a passage of time where you're doing these phases right if that helps you great the other thing i want you to think about is like your business is probably not going to spend even amounts of time in each one of these phases with somebody yes. right it's totally okay to think like oh we've got a really long sales cycle and it takes a lot of content and a lot of community stuff to really get people on board so maybe my attract phase is like much bigger my sales process might be pretty quick. So maybe my engage is a little tighter. And then we, we do a lot of legwork to really help you. So maybe like you, you know, it, it's okay that like, if you kind of visualize these phases as being like longer or shorter, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I you love know. that. Either way, they're all there in some capacity. They have to be there or else it, it doesn't really work. Something's fundamentally broken again, like we were saying earlier. But George, I'll let yeah. you talk before I talked about the phases. No. Yeah, yeah. No. And so here's the thing. I love that you mentioned a fade versus a jump cut, because mm -hmm. when I look at this and I see the red exclamation marks um, again, because I can see the screen as we're doing this, I see the red exclamation marks and I have to go into the mindset of a relay race and a relay race with the baton is one on the handoff, right? It's the fade, the the five, the seven, the 10 steps from one runner to the other, the baton being tossed off. And so I, it's funny that you use large circular red and white exclamation marks in these areas because I feel like those are somewhat of the most important areas that you need to pay attention to in your business. The, you know, marketing to sales handoff, the sales to service handoff, the service to win backs, cross sales, like that type of, right? Yeah. Like there's just so many ways that this is a very, three very poignant places that you need to pay attention to. And, and this then, is also, oh, sorry, go, 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 go. So then the other thing that's going through my mind, and I can't wait till you get to the phases and I can't wait till you get to like, the phases and also life cycle stages because we did have uh, somebody who's watching live. By the way, yes, if you're listening to this on the podcast app of your choice, you could be tuning in live and actually asking us questions along the way. So at some point, Max, make sure we tie back into the stages and the life cycle stages of uh, so the stage of the flywheel and life cycle stages uh, in here. But something that's going around in my mind as I'm looking at this this beautiful graphic and listening to. Uh, the song that you're singing around inbound physics is for some reason around this entire circle, 
my brain jumps to story brand. And every mm. department needs to be able to tell a great story. Every department needs to have story as the foundation of the communication that they're having. Then I don't care what you pick, but I'm going to use three examples here. There's probably a framework or a belief in each one of these phases. So for instance, I think about Attract and I think about Marcus Sheridan and They Ask You Answer and the ability to use They Ask You Answer to create content that is middle to bottom of the funnel that people are searching for before they're actually going to engage with your sales team. I look at this engage and I think of Ian Altman and same side selling where it's actually you're partnering with the person who is trying to actually achieve the goal that they're trying to instead of like closing them or smashing yeah. our funnel or yeah. right same side selling and here's how we're going to be a great organization. And then when we think about delight, I go back to John Jance, right? And something like the referral engine. And you're literally building the delight phase into this engine that gets you referrals. So think about this full circle story brand. You know, they ask you answer, same side selling referral engine pieces that you could put around your business that is now all being run by HubSpot and going through these attract, engage, delight phases that Max is talking mm -hmm. about for this inbound phase. Yeah, I think it's also really important for like RevOps or whatever. I don't want to get into a what is RevOps debate. Whoever hey Max, the, what is RevOps? Whoever, whoever the f is in charge of all this stuff, because every business is different and we can all call each other whatever the hell we want. And that doesn't matter. Right. But, you know, for the folks who are in charge of like looking at the bigger picture and making all this shit is functioning correctly, these red dots, I think, are places to really look at because this is where a lot of stuff can get screwed up, right? Like when you think about this, like first one between attract and engage, right? What does that like look like from like a technology and experience standpoint? Well, a lot of the times people are giving you their information. There's a lot of things that can go wrong there, right? It can get to a salesperson too quickly and that salesperson can jump down their throat and create a bad experience, right? Uh, it could, you know, get to a place where like high intent leads are, are wanting to get in touch with salespeople and it's not quite getting there because you don't have like a good lead routing process or like you're, you're, you know, however you're like assigning folks to, you know, go work with these, these potential customers, like isn't functioning properly, right? Like a lot of problems can happen there because they get super stoked because they built all this trust and you, you did the right thing, whether it was through community or content or demand generation or like whatever, right? To the point where they're like, yeah, I'm super pumped. I want to talk to someone. And then sales drops the ball or marketing just spams the living shit out oh, of them with yeah. too much content, right? So a lot can happen that a lot can go wrong there, right? You look at the, the, the passage between engage and delight, right? What happens when you fumble the, the handoff to customer service, right? What happens when someone buys and they all of a sudden don't know how to get started? They don't know what resources are available to them. They don't know how to get in touch with something when something goes wrong, right? They get confused of who they should be talking to or your product sucks, right? Things can go wrong there, right? On top of that, like, if you fumble the delight process, guess what? Instead of people leaving that positive review and helping with your attract phase, those people are going and flaring you on review sites and speaking ill of yeah. your name to everybody that yeah. they know. Because when people have bad experiences and you really screw delight up, those people are, I don't know what the, I, I, I don't know what the actual number is, but way more likely to go share a bad experience that yeah. they had rather than a good one, right? Because they expect a good experience, right? Or maybe they do, maybe they don't. But again, you're more likely to go tell someone about a shit experience you had, right? So again, thinking of like 
these inflection points or these, these transfer points between the different stages here of the inbound methodology can really help you think like, okay, are we doing everything we can to kind of mitigate problems at each one of these stages? Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of stuff that can go wrong, you know, away from the margins, like inside of each one of these stages, right? But again, like typically what's happening here is you're transferring the responsibility, the majority of the responsibility of folks between different departments, right? They're out of the beautiful story that marketing is creating to them. And now they're going through a new experience with sales, right? And then once sales is done with them, they're going through a new experience with, with support. And if those teams are all siloed and not working together, right? And, and it's one experience here and a bad experience there, that's not fun for everybody. And you're gonna create, you know, a lot of friction, right? So that, that's the other kind of thing. But to get onto like the phase stuff, right? I know I, I like talk, I think it's important to understand sort of the bigger picture of each one of those stages first, but then like to help yourself go, okay, I get the bigger picture, but like within each one of these phases, like what's actually happening for, for it to happen. And I think you can, you can break each one of these bigger attract, engage and delight stages into two phases each, right? So when we think about something like attract, the physics behind that generally is someone has to like find your content, find your community, be looking for your stuff, yes. right? To, to find it in the first place. Because if they don't find it, they can't consume it, right? Yes. Like if they don't find your content, they don't find your community, they don't find the stuff you're using to generate them, what? they can't consume it, right? So a lot of this comes down to like, are you creating what people are actually looking for, right? We go on the internet to find things that we don't have right in front of us, whether it's knowledge or an experience, a goal that we have or that we're trying to achieve, a challenge that's getting in the way, whatever it is. We go on the internet to go find that stuff, right? Or we express that to other people and other people tell us, hey, have you heard about XYZ, right? Mm. Be it a piece of content, be it a company that sells a product to fix that issue, like whatever, right? We have to find it somehow, right? So make your stuff easy for people to find. And that's not get super technical about SEO. That's not what that is. <laughs> that's create what people are looking for in the first place. Because if people aren't looking for it, you can polish that SEO turd as much as you want. It's still a turd. And yeah. when people find it, if they don't consume that content and it doesn't get them closer to like learning something that's actually valuable to them, uh, overcoming a certain challenge, achieving a certain goal or whatever, if it doesn't move them in that direction, you're wasting their time, you're breaking their trust and you're not building any trust. Right. So that second phase is like once people have found the content, the community, the whatever it is, right, as they consume it, it begins to kind of build trust and people don't buy from people they like. They buy from people they trust. That's like a, a real weird like misnomer. If I don't trust you, I'm less likely to buy from you. Right. Yeah. I could really like a salesperson. If I think, and I'm probably not gonna like them if I don't trust them, right? Cause I think they're doing something sketchy, right? Um, but again, I think building trust is like a huge important part of this. I think you could, you, could, you could probably redefine trust in a bunch of different ways, but the whole idea is your content is having, or your community is having some kind of effect on these people, enough to the point where you're kind of helping them figure out what their problem is, figuring out what they need, figuring out different ways to solve that problem, right? And eventually you kind of get to some sort of place where I want to engage with you further, right? Like, I think you've helped me figure, like, and again, we're not talking about the buyer's journey here, even though it's on this, right? Like, yeah. you, that's a whole different episode, right? But eventually it gets to a point where it's like, okay, here's my info, whether that's for a piece of content at the top of the funnel, or I want to talk to a salesperson, whatever it may be, you go into that engage phase, okay? 
Yeah, don't the go two- in the engage phase yet, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah. Don't, go, me, don't go in there yet because I, I literally can feel my inner Devin coming out because I have to say attract phase one and attract phase two. If Devin was here, he'd be like, listen, and spamming me in my LinkedIn DMs and stop doing <laughs> every single day, right? Yeah. Because here's the thing. The opposite of trust is the erosion of that. And mm-hmm. there is, if we're talking about uh, inbound physics, let's just talk about life principles. Yep. It is way easier to lose my trust than to gain my trust. And so mm-hmm. if you start to do any of these radical, fanatical, add whatever words you want in there, tactics that start to erode trust, guess what happens? We got a wobbly tire here. So like what I'm saying, it's very important in this attract phase to be very happy, helpful, humble, human-ish. Yep. And and really the focus be on how can we show up and do the best we can do. Okay, now we can go into an engage. I had to get my yeah. inner Devin and slightly uh, George out there to, to that phase. Yeah. Um. So So when we think about engage here, right? Back when I made this, I would kind of call the first half of this uh, – is what people would commonly consider lead nurturing, right? They've given you their info, and then what are you doing? You're 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 engaging with them on social media. You're sending them some kind of newsletter. You're emailing them content. You're getting them to watch your YouTube videos. You you know you have their information, right? And you're communicating with them some way. Now, for those of you that are in the camp of gate nothing, all the content's free. You're still doing this, right? Like it's just you've passed into this phase without collecting someone's information. But at some point, you're going to have to get some information from them. That's generally that might be happening in in, in phase two for you. Right. But like for those of you that are engaging in lead nurturing here, let's say someone does give you their information a little earlier on, not ready to talk to sales yet, but maybe they want to get a piece of content you have and you're kind of following that more traditional you know, create content, gated behind a landing page type thing, which I still think there's room for, right? The the thing that you're, you got to think about with lead nurturing is like, this is also a time where you should be thinking about how do I continue to build trust, right? And that's by, you know, saying, if you're going to put content in front of them, make sure it's relevant. Make sure it's not interrupting them. Make sure it's not uh, just uh, noisy bullshit that doesn't matter to them, right? Because at that point, what you're doing is you're not using their information, you're abusing their information, right? No spam, right? This is this. A lot of this would be don't stick your sales reps on them too early, right? Um, this would also be don't don't send them stuff that's not relevant to them, right? Um, you know, which again, you can you can kind of categorize all that kind of stuff at spam. But you know, make sure you're providing relevant information for these folks, and when it makes sense for them to talk to sales, you can kind of move into phase two of engage, which I think the sales process kind of sits firmly in, right? In at least a general sense. Again, this blends into delight a little bit. Um, you know, cause you want to have a delightful sales process. Sure. Right. And again, this is a general framework. This is a general set of physics. This is not, you know, it has to be this way. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of like, I think the, the way you should you think about engage, right. Is your sales process sits in here, right. Because it's what happens generally before someone becomes a customer. Yes. Right? Um, or the equivalent of, so, you know, think about it, lead nurturing first, continue to build trust. Don't abuse their information, nurture that trust. Right. Get them what they need, educate them, and then you can kind of move them onto the sales process when it makes sense, right? And the reason you want to do that too fast is because you get them to sales too quickly, you're breaking that trust. You get them to sales too quickly, you're wasting your sales reps time on people that don't need to be talking to them, right? So part of this is like thinking thoughtfully about how you're using your resources in sales, right? 
Um, and then we can kind of move on from there. Yeah, I'm George, gonna do you go have a hard? Do you have a hard out at four? I don't. I don't, I don't have okay, a hard don't stop. Either. We're gonna keep going. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Noah's going. gonna hate us because it means more editing. But hey, suck yep. it up, Buttercup. Uh, <laughs> so here's here's the deal. Uh, I'm gonna go real quick though on this because I just want people to realize uh, engage phase one lead nurturing. It's a very valuable piece of information in those two words. <laughs> lead yeah. nurturing. First yeah. of all, leads are humans. Oh. They are. They are humans. Oh, there it is. Okay, so here's the deal: nurture, care for, and encourage the growth or development of. Yeah. An example: Jarrett was nurtured by his parents in a close knit family. Similar words would be cherish, a hope, belief, ambition. Mm. Lead nurturing. The nurturing part of this is not force feeding. The definition of force feeding is to force a person or animal to eat. You should not be forcing a human to eat your content. You should be using your content to nurture, to cherish, to give them hope, to Educate. direct them to their ambition through education. It's, it's lead nurturing. It's not lead dominating. It's not oh lead God. spamming. It's not lead abusing. It's <sighs> nurture, right? Like, like because that, yeah. like, fundamentally, again, I know I mentioned the humanness in attract, right? But fundamentally, if you are a cyborg sales rep that is all about the process, the process, the process, and if you're a marketing team that is getting pounded to, like, Publish, 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 publish. Email, 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 email. Oh, like we, yeah. I'll, I'll do a dance with some, you know, me, but, but it's no, it's, it's wrong. Like, I really need you in this part to get into that nourish brain, empathy brain, loving brain in this part of, of the stage. Okay, let's move on. Cool. All right. So you've got the end of the engaged phase there. We kind of move on to delight. I kind of think of delight in in two different sort of sections. The first phase is combating buyer's remorse. Every, every time you buy something, you almost immediately have buyer's remorse. You're like, oh shit, why did I spend money on that, right? Like, was that too much? Is this the right thing? Uh, and you immediately regret your decision. Combating buyer's remorse is, is, is really important. And like, that could be just something as simple as, again, having a good product. It could be making sure you're, you're putting the resources and the avenues of help in front of someone immediately without them asking for it. So they go, oh, okay, good. I've got a good product. Okay, the product is good, great. I'm having a good first experience with it, right? Like, I, I don't regret this. This was a good choice, right? I, I got what I was, I, I wasn't sold a, bill, sold a bill of goods. I was sold what I got and what I got is what I was promised, right? Like that's table stakes for combating you know, buyer's remorse. If you, you buy something and it's immediately trash garbage, it's not what they said it was. They sold you on the dream. Uh, you're you're in you're in pissed land, right? So think about combating buyer's remorse. What's the simple stuff you can do? That what's the blanket of love you can ensure that they are surrounded in if something goes wrong? Something doesn't necessarily have to go wrong here. You just need to be able to like say, hey, here's our number for our support team. Here's a number for customer service. Maybe give them a call and follow up and see how things are going. Making sure that they feel good with what they just bought. The second piece, fast. That, that phase two is that customer needs to be a lot of times people say, oh, make them happy, happy customers, right? I think happy is should be a byproduct of a successful customer, you know, and they're successful because, hey, 
It did what you wanted to do. They were able to achieve their goal or overcome their challenge by buying that thing. Maybe something went wrong and you were able to intervene and help fix the problem so they continued on to be successful with it. Whether it's buying a pair of pants and I was able to successfully go to work in my pants and people liked my pants, all the way to like a complex enterprise, like, you know, software solution, right? When things went wrong, you were there to ensure their trajectory to success continued. If you don't do these two things, you can't expect any of this stuff in the delight phase to have any sort of positive impact on the attract phase. Because if you, if you, 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 you know, you, you blow that first phase and someone buys something that's not what they expected, they're not going to tell someone, yeah, go get it. It's great. If you, you know, don't help them when something goes wrong and you're not there for them when they need you the most, right? They're not going to go tell people how great you are. So again, you can think of delight as kind of the first things. What are you doing to immediately ensure you're combating that buyer's remorse? And then what are you doing to ensure that that customer is long-term successful? And I say long-term in quotations, because again, these parts of the flywheel might be really short or really long. If you're a lemonade stand, maybe your delight phase it's is the first just, sip, baby. Yeah, it's that first sip and it's handing them a napkin when they didn't ask for it. Right. Yes. Um, and Knowing it's, and, and what make, they needed with before they knew they needed it. Oh, exactly. Dude. Right. Um, you know, it, it could be something as simple as that, or it could be something as complex as a you know, uh, 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 a long, complex implementation plan, whatever it may be, right? Again, the, the basic physics are always there, right? If your lemonade tastes like shit, that person walking down the street is not gonna talk to the person that's passing by and say, oh, that's lemonade, don't go, go get that lemonade, it tastes terrible. They're gonna say, avoid that kid's lemonade, it tastes like gasoline, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so again, it's all just like, it's all physics. It's all physics, it's all just like the basic things that are happening, right? So hopefully like this kind of helps, like when you when you look at this stuff, George, maybe we can have another conversation around yeah. like where the, 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 what is it called? The life cycle stage stuff is like a, a bit more amorphous now, because when I originally made this HubSpot had its eight life cycle stages in the CRM yep. and they were locked in there. Yep. And so which, I, I had a healthy understanding of like many where people they still use those and True. some people have customized it. So yeah. What does that mean? You can customize that? it now. I think there is an ideal way to use them, right? Um, that can apply to most-ish situations, right? If you're following this inbound methodology, right? Yeah, I uh, think and you're doing uh, the whole content creation thing. But again, that this that, that's all up for debate now. I think too. I think so. a future conversation on the flywheel, the life cycle stages, and the buyer's journey could be a, a complete episode in itself. How those kind of interact with each other. Here's what I want to kind of say real quick, and then we'll end this bad boy. I'm really interested in how my brain has started to work during this episode because before when I mentioned Delight, I mentioned John Jantz and the referral engine, right? But then, Max, you even said earlier the onboarding process and customer delight and combating mm -hmm. buyer's remorse. And my brain immediately flew to uh, Joey Coleman and never lose a customer again and actually like – there's a, a eight phase. I think they all start with a process that maybe you can put on for the onboarding portion of when they go yep. from customer, you know, or, or uh, SQL or opportunity to customer and go into that delight phase. So again, maybe it's like you start to pair a couple methodologies in these. So delight would literally be never lose a customer again and referral engine. And so then also my brain, I mentioned Ian Altman and same side selling in engaged, but then I was reminded of the challenger sale. And so maybe like there's two things or to sell is human, right? By Simon Sinek. Shoot. Or, or is that Daniel Pink? Crap. 
anyway, doesn't matter. You guys know what I mean. But the idea is, are there two or three uh, mini books that create your business Bible around this whole thing that is inbound physics that Max has been talking about today? Max, here's the thing. I'm going to keep it simple as far as closing this bad boy up. I'm curious for you. What do you wish for the people who have just watched or listened to this? And what do you hope they take action on? So what do you um, wish for them? And what do you hope they take action on? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I wish you the best. Obviously. I think if, if there's anything I want you to take action on is I want you to like look at this and maybe, you know what, I'll do it. I'll do a simpler, simplified versions we can post with the show notes, right? So you can go grab it in a much less crazy overlay than this, right? I want you to like look at like these different phases and the in the overall three phases, as well as like where we see those those exclamation points. And I want you to kind of just think about your business and go, how are we doing all these things? And are there certain problems that we've observed or symptoms of problems that we've observed that might be because there are fail points or cracks in the way we try to accomplish this. And what I think this does, I actually did this with someone a while ago who was like just starting a RevOps role where they were kind of overseeing like all of the marketing sales and service stuff and just trying to break the silos and, and get it all to work together better. And I gave them this framework and they're like, I, this is literally my checklist. All the places I should go check, right? And see and uncover problems that maybe I don't know about yet. So just take this, overlay this over to the understanding of your business, make it your own also, get your own, but you know, try to try to use this as a way to gut check yourself in terms of like, how are things operating? Could we improve stuff anywhere? Are there any things that could be causing our flywheel to wobble, right? And, and use this as a, as sort of a North star to try to find those fault points, right? Yeah, just look at it and use it. That's what I would say. I love please, it. Please do it. <laughs> I love it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, no poems, no limericks, no extra shenanigans. Just literally head over to the show notes and check out the graphic. Check out the links to the resources that we'll have over there. If listening is good enough, then we bid you a fair day. But if you do want to watch this again, remember to head over to community.hubheroes.com. And of course, Max, the rest of us will be in there waiting for you to help you if you have any questions inside of the community. Max, I am so glad we had this episode. I love you too.